Welcome for Outlander Season 1, Episode 5, Rent. I'm Don Bitters. And I'm Nick Stone. And this is Gaelic Guys, an Outlander podcast where we watch Outlander, drink scotch, and let you know our terribly uninformed opinions about both. So, uh, as we open the episode, uh, well, we have a nice little like poetry opening. Yes, Poet Laureate uh, of Loch Ness, Claire. <laughs> As uh, we meet the, the kindly old Scott Ned. Ned is essentially the cool, rich uncle of Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, for for Claire at least, and of the Mackenzie clan. And we quickly just go go from Claire kind of bonding nice and gently with Ned to discovering that Scotland is pretty much the best frat party. <laughs> as a William is being kind of like teased for being the road virgin. <laughs> Right. And hazed. And it's funny to watch Ned have to try and explain the concept of them trying to goad yeah. goad a young lad into having sex with his sister in his like stilted, polite talk biblical yeah. relations with his sister. And through all this, Claire is still dressed like a fashion model. Right. In I was gonna say sixty Well, and the longer this like episode one, goes on, the the crazier it gets because like she's on the road and like they try and make her look like road worn and she's like, Oh, yeah. I'm getting a bath in the stream or whatever but it's like she, her outfits are awesome yeah. the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, you could have one outfit on the road because you have nine hundred pieces of clothing in that outfit. <laughs> so you get one. So and the the show kind of moves to Ned and Claire talking a lot and really kind of laying out like a lot of like backstory, everything like that for the episode as they do what I'm going to start terming the horse and talk where they're riding horses and talking, which is, I feel is going to be a thing throughout this entire series, very much like the walk and talk was with West Wing. Oh, sure. Yeah. This is an evolution. The horse and talk. (laughs) I mean, we're going to have to figure out something that rhymes though. Ride and stride. There you go, ride and stride, boom. But, I mean, both of those... Trademark. No, neither time. of those mean talk, so... So we quickly established that Dougal, who is the frat master of this group, is out there to collect rent. Right. And is to, on... Basically, it's taxes. Yeah, it's We taxes. call it rent, but it's taxes for everyone on the Mackenzie lands, which is a lot of people. It is, and I think it's interesting because, you know, all of us think of taxes or paying rent as a very formal thing, but there's an obvious bonhomie between Dougal and these people and there's there is a sense of familiarity and family mm-hmm. and you know uh it's a very it's a very collegial relationship as opposed yeah. to most things where you're dealing with a tax collector or at least my personal image of like a tax collector coming around it's a lot friendlier and it's just sort of a natural part of life it seems at least as we start the episode yeah a lot less friendly than what we currently have of a tax collector so right well not that Dougal is anything that resembles into a friendly image. No, but <laughs> but he does his best here. He's glad handing a lot of people. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, as we enter into kind of like going through various spaces, and Claire has a terrible rabbit dinner that I feel terrible for everyone involved in having to make that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know about plating very much. I'm not a chef myself, but I feel like a a fuzzy-headed, naked rabbit is maybe not the most appealing oh, well, no, And then props to the art department again for building that, because I guarantee you that was not a real one. Right, yeah. Like, um, well done. So as they're going through collecting taxes, and we enter into what feels like poor Hobbiton, and, <laughs> and the, uh, Claire walks away from the, the tax party and joins the real party, which is the women right. of the Clan Mackenzie. Or I, I, are they Clan Mackenzie, or are they more just the, the people 
Of... I think they're all Clan McKenzie because one of the people bringing in, you know, his rent for the year talks about, you know, when after being uh, lauded for his very virile sperm, basically mm. having another child on the way, he's like, well, I'm a McKenzie, you know. And oh, so okay, I, I think they, I think they all count in that clan. Yeah. Though I'm not really up on Scottish clan politics as much as I hopefully will be by the end of the season. Well, yeah, the end of the series. So Claire joins the women for the real party in Piss Poor Hobbiton, where they actually use piss to affix dye, I guess, to the cloth. Right, yeah. Which is something, you know, something I've heard about, theoretically. Awake. Did you? I had, yeah, what? for, like, fixing, like, dyes with, like, plaid specifically, which I guess would come up a lot in hmm. Scotland. But, you know, that's a way that you get the dye to stay where it's supposed to be. But I don't know the chemistry of that. Since Claire has come back in time, upon first setting foot in Castle Leoc, this is the first time she's gotten to leave. And so we're really seeing Scottish life mm-hmm. outside of that particular location for the first time. So yeah. there's a lot to kind of cover to establish the world we're dealing with. It's a lot of exposition and a lot of really gorgeous Scottish like countryside. Oh, yeah. yeah. Stunning. So as Claire is attempting to return some of their goat that they just used to pay taxes... Uh, we are confronted by our stealth redcoat, mm. who very obviously like decides that. Well, one moment I'm dressed as a blacksmith, mm-hmm. and then immediately goes dresses like blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from blacksmith to blackjack very quickly. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I, I've labeled him as a British do-gooder, though he's, I know he's some kind of uh, lieutenant at some point. We find out. But it is it is sort of remarkable to note all the Scottish tend to be bearded, look a little dirty, and you a know little? a little a little dirty. Other than Jamie, yeah, other than Jamie, exactly. Yeah. Jamie's an exception for all these things. But then we have like one of our first British characters, and he's like a clean shaven, blue eyed, yeah, like steel jawed. He's like he basically he's like know, model Roman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sort of like well for a Scottish sympathizing show, you kind of yeah. like. You're making the British look like the much more attractive people in this group. Well, I guess I did, maybe it's building up to the underdog status, but like, yeah, don't throw all, all but two of your attractive people into the villain camp. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sort of an interesting choice there. Not, but it, you know, for the visuals that they've put up, and I guess mostly the the clean shaven look, like it really does set him apart in this scene. Like you it can does, tell right yeah. away between that and the accent, you're not from around these parts, you know. Yeah. And so we, it, it works well in the forest. No, true. Block. That's true. Yeah. We kind of quickly understand that during the nighttime, Dougal is scaring the locals with Jamie's back <laughs> yeah. in what feels very much like a scam, as he rips poor Jamie's shirt off. Uh, revealing his his scar covered back in order to convince people to give him money. Yeah, we get a sort of montage type scene of how often this happens, and uh, I mostly feel bad for Jamie's shirt, which <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean that, that was must be destroyed. And by the like the fifth time, Jeremy uh, to Jamie's shirt has been torn. You, you kind of really just wish they'd give him a shirt he could take off, which he just does at one point because he's like sick. Of having his shirt ripped off. <laughs> right, because it turns out he's the one sewing it back together. <laughs> and so, I mean, I can only imagine what's happening. Uh, so as we kind of continue down this path of collecting taxes, then Dougal collecting even more money by being like, look at this dude's back. Right. Um, which, of course, we don't. This is the one time where Claire is without her handy translator to understand what he's saying. Mm. But... This is because she's starting to get real smart and understand what he says. It's interesting because, you know, in previous episodes, every time there's been a Gaelic scene, 
it's been important that Claire understand what's happening. And now a lot of this episode hinges on the fact that she doesn't understand and that she's being excluded from what's happening by her lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting sort of flip from what we've seen where very conveniently someone's very happy to tell her exactly what's going on and now no one will tell her. And Weirdly enough, it's a potentially obscure reference, but it's hilariously reminded me a lot of The 13th Warrior. Yes. Where through the course of a montage, is it Antonio Banderas? It is. learns Viking. Right. (laughs) Whatever Viking. Learns Viking through a montage. Right. By listening to people really intensely. So at least they they didn't go that far. Right. I mean, that I think is one of the few reasons I remember the 13th Warrior and might be one of the most laughed at scenes in that particularly forgettable movie. As we kind of like continue and we do our montage and... We kind of get to the, a town where the poor need money because they're starving. And so Dougal is actually giving them the food that they and, and animals that they've collected throughout the course of this journey, mm-hmm. which leads to a confrontation with Claire where she's kind of basically accusing him of setting people up to just try to bilk them for more money. Yeah. And Dougal basically confronts her, doesn't want her to talk about this. And we learn the first rule of Dougal Club, which is you don't talk about Dougal Club. Right. And something something I think we, we skipped over a little bit is we were introduced to this group, which I don't know how important they are, the Watch, who... That's true, we did, yeah. Who is, you know, seem to be kind of mercenary jerks. They're, they're cops. They're cops in a sense, but I mean, they, I suppose they are, but their allegiances seem to shift depending on who's going who's to got pay money them. Yeah. yeah and so it's kind of no honor among these particular thieves it's basically watch of that period are technically local militia meant mm. to keep the peace right but the only peace they'll really do is just whatever they can get and it's, it's there's a lot of like just kind of going down the exact same paths through this in terms of like collecting taxes and i would hate to see what the tax brackets look like back then for as bad as they're about right. to be here. Um, yeah. Well, like... it seems very flexible. It's interesting because we get to this depressed renter's place. As I yeah. put it, they're the less happy renters who've evidently been, uh, you know, stripped dry by the red coats already for much of the stuff that they would pay rent with. Mm-hmm. And you see a number of people come up and pay very small amounts compared yeah. to what we were seeing at the beginning of the thing without much of a word from Dougal or Ned. Yeah. You know, it seems to be understood that they're giving what they can, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a certain humanity there. I don't know how strictly that was enforced. It's it's interesting to see that. And then Dougal's kindness in actually trying to feed these people who clearly need help. Which leads us into our, our Captain Mansplain moment. I've got that our, right, our right first here. One, yeah. Captain Mansplain. I, I have Captain Mansplain in big <laughs> blog letters. Basically giving all the exposition about... The Jacobite army and everything that we need to know in terms of what Dougal is actually doing, which is trying to raise money for an army to fight against the British and reinstate their king instead of the English control. So I think right now it's King George II is on the throne, but they're hoping to reinstall a a Catholic leader. Yeah. This, again, stems from some kind of, you know religious war ultimately mm-hmm. as so many wars sort of are yeah this is maybe one of my favorite part of these episodes where for some reason like it's very convenient that claire comes from a family where the only hobby they have is talking about scottish history from the 18th century <laughs> evidently she comes from a husband whose only hobby is that right i mean i guess the obvious choice for someone to send back in time would be frank randall but <laughs> yeah frank randall would have like excelled right he well you wonder though because he's 
very British himself. That's true. And so true, I don't know yeah. where his loyalties lie, though he's fascinated with the Scottish people. So, but Claire seems to have absorbed mm. a fair amount of this yeah. enough to sort of, you know, at least know what sort of bad things might come up in the nearish yeah. future. And as as Dougal and Jamie kind of confront each other in the middle of the night, as Dougal is, I, I'm not even sure. It, I guess he's like dressing down Jamie for being upset about the whole thing mm-hmm. where they're using his back and Dougal in, in short order basically says like your back is my money maker now shake it right and then he refers to him as sweet lad which I think should be Jamie's nickname <laughs> all the time sweet lad which it's really hard to con- reconcile that with huge man though right those are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum but they really capture the totality of this character though, though we do we do get a nice sweet lad moment later in the episode so we do we then get introduced to the ancient scottish art of tree fighting <laughs> which um i don't know who wins here jamie or the tree because the tree's still standing and jamie might I, have hurt his knuckles I, a little bit i think the tree is lucky it's still standing and that jamie didn't oh you think claire interrupted <laughs> but he was about to like basically chop the tree down with his fist yes, yeah yeah, basically. yeah i mean i believe that I, just, yeah. they don't need access in scotland they have jamie Right, yeah. I haven't seen an axe yet. I've seen a Jamie. And somehow they have firewood. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then we get to kind of like, I, I had actually had a joke written for this, but it's it's honestly pretty depressing. Yeah. Where we see kind of the actual result of, the. I think honestly one of the first like true negative results of the Red Coast occupation of beyond mm-hmm. Jack Randall being a horrible monster right. to Scotsman essentially uh, crucified. Yeah. Kind of encouraging the idea uh, that the Scot- Scottish people are an oppressed people and are kind of in dire need of a rebellion and an uprising mm-hmm. against the English uh, in order to actually retake and reclaim the, the land as their own. Yeah, this, this really brings home, because up until this point, we've only seen truly sort of uh, Scottish culture, you know, mm-hmm. and we know kind of an intellectual yeah. level that the British are around and they're in control in a grand way. But, you know, other than that, we haven't seen so much of a negative experience other than, you know, they start to introduce it with the raids of these people who are supposed yeah. to be paying rent to the Mackenzie. And now we see actual, you know, crucifixions and their yeah. bodies are mutilated with T's across their chest for traitor. And so you yeah. really start to get the scope of the oppression that these people are experiencing. Yeah, and the British... And- as history shows, are really big on branding. Yeah. What is it John Oliver says? You can't be British and go into a museum without feeling incredible guilt. Yeah. Because basically the history of the world is the history of the British oppressing Conquering. people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jamie is the gallant lad sleeping outside Claire's room like like a loyal puppy, uh, <laughs> trying to prevent any like terrible Scotsman from coming up and doing something terrible to her because she's English. Right. Uh, and we kind of have, like, Claire is like, aw, shucks, come inside. Jamie's like, no, ma'am, I'm a gentleman. And she's mm-hmm. like, have a blanket. Right. And when she hands him this blanket, though, her fingertips touch. And you could cut the tension with a knife. It's... Fireworks. It's pretty hot. For a show which has always been described to me as having tons and tons of sex in it, <laughs> for this episode... <laughs> This is kind of as close as we get. <laughs> That's have. true. We are like five episodes in, and there really hasn't been 
a crazy amount of sex other than Frank Randall and Claire in the very first episode. Right. Yeah. It's it's really come away from that a lot. But I mean, you know, they're building up they're building up some tension here, you know, to they're they're, they're making it work. They're they're giving us a lot pretty high expectation. Right. For a, a good payoff later. I mean, did you see that thumb touch? <laughs> sparks flew. Literal sparks because of the static electricity. It's a thing even in the past. Uh so as Claire <laughs> talks to Ned the Wise, yeah, and we realize that she is cool, the rich worst uncle. at changing the past. She, oh, yeah. If she were sent back in time to kill Hitler, nothing would change. So, but she tries. To yeah. her credit, she really mm-hmm. tries. You know, these people who have you know taken her in, and she starts to feel for them in something that mm-hmm. the French call Stockholm syndrome. Um, the Scots called Scotchholm syndrome. <laughs> Yes, very similar. Yeah, so, you know, she's really trying to yeah. warn Ned of the impending calamity. As Claire is attempting to kind of, in a way that is never going to work, explain to the Scottish people, and Ned in particular, that the Scots are going to get destroyed and, like, decimated by the British, ultimately in this battle, which uh, kind of leads into a huge bar brawl as uh, Tweedledee gets pissed off at another Scot for calling Claire a whore. And we discover that it wasn't just that he called Claire a whore. It's that they're not allowed to because only the Mackenzie clan is allowed to call Claire a whore. Right. Yeah. There are rules. There are sexist rules, but there are rules. Yeah. And, uh, and Claire, now the, the frat girl, is kind of finally starting to get accepted as we introduce the, the Battle of Culloden, which is where the Scottish uh, people were essentially decimated. And the whole clan uh, kind of like... Yeah, the clan way of life is destroyed with uh, you can't wear tartans, you can't speak Gaelic. <laughs> yeah. All the, like the basic stuff that we you know think of when you think of like yeah. Scotland and the Highlands and everything uh, becoming illegal in this period. Only three years after where we're set, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's coming quick. Yeah. And in this very place. And Claire mm-hmm. has to wonder like how many of these people that she's come to know are going to die in that battle coming up. I mean, I'm a bit of a history nerd. Yeah. So this stuff is actually really, really fascinating. I just wish they had a better delivery mechanism than Captain Man's plane. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's the part in every episode where he comes in where it sort of strains your suspension of disbelief. That like, yeah. oh, she just happened to, she happened to know about that too, huh? The yeah. interpersonal politics of this particular three-year period in Scottish history. And, and to be clear, earlier when... We kind of introduced the idea of the Jacobites, which is a, uh, knowing a little bit more about the series, is a big part of the series. Mm. The Jacobite Rebellion. Yeah. That not only is it really conveniently like explained, but uh, Frank Randall is basically quizzing her <laughs> <laughs> about right. her knowledge of like, oh, Claire, how much <laughs> exposition did you really pick up? So as Claire, and kind of as we're reaching the end of the episode, which... Uh, in terms of like plot content of this episode, it's relatively light. Mm, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of setup as Claire is finally one of the boys that she goes down to the river to, to wash up. And Dougal kind of confronts her and accusing her, if she's not a spy, then what is she? Right. Because like, she's, she's not who she says she no, is. Yeah, no, yeah. And it's like, you know, that's the thing is like, if Claire was a spy, she would be a terrible spy. Right. She's the angriest spy. <laughs> like she's, she's trying to give away people's goats. She's just not getting along. Like 
the obvious sort of answer, even even for her now, like her motivations, she should be trying to ingratiate herself to these people. Yeah. So that she can escape when the time is appropriate, you yeah. know, but just strategically. Claire is not a master of laying low. No, she has strong principles, and that's good, yeah. but not useful. We end the episode with the Redcoats showing up because no one expects the English. Right, yeah. Lieutenant Do-Gooder from the earlier scene shows up again, this time evidently leading his merry band of Redcoats <laughs> brethren. Yeah. And he's he seeks to get to the bottom of this scenario. And he also seeks to get to a cliffhanger, which is where the episode ends. Right. They really leave us hanging. Will Claire defy her captors and hand them over to the Redcoats, escaping with them? Or will she prove loyal to Jamie and Dougal? Mostly Jamie. (laughs) Probably mostly Jamie. Uh, So that is our episode. This week, we have been drinking Highland Crest, which we're not quite sure if it's official or not because mm. it's a, a blend of scotch whiskey but it's actually imported and bottled in california yeah how could you go wrong it's fine it's an aggressively fine whiskey <laughs> <laughs> but it says product of scotland on it the scotch, scotch is whiskey the scotch is scotch it is scotch the bottle is california the bot yeah exactly i'm sure it was sent over in a barrel or keg of some kind you know then they put in these bottles and it's yeah it's fine it's you know relatively smooth and everything it has a little bit more burn than a lot of the whiskeys we've been drinking so yeah though it, what's nice about it is that yes it's a little bit harsher but it also has a bit of more sweetness to it yeah so i'm like the first sip i took from it almost felt a little bit more like a little bit like a honey yeah and it's interesting because looking at it, even even visually it's a lot lighter in color mm-hmm. uh which fits a little bit for our um our particular episode because it's approximately the color of hot piss uh, <laughs> it's also a little bit lighter in plot right a little lighter in plot a little lighter in flavor here with the highland crest which you know works out fine yeah, yeah. but it's nice and uh it's something that i certainly wouldn't mind using as a mixer kind of thing <laughs> you know it's what i wouldn't feel bad about it yeah i think we spoiled ourselves with some pretty good scotch thus far so now we're we're plumbing the depths of what, the bottom shelf. Which I think we, we we should. I'm hoping that we get like a bottle that we can both go, this is awful. <laughs> so so next week we'll be drinking premium scotch. Premium scotch. <laughs> Look forward to that. Hopefully our, our goal now is to find the worst scotch <laughs> and try and try and force some of that. Because down. we found that, that most scotch actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. So that's our episode. As always, please subscribe. Please tell a friend. That's probably the only way that people will discover this for the time being until, you know, we just reach pinnacle fandom. Right. I mean, our goal here is to be your outlander fix during this uh, droughtlander period. So, you know, tell your friends about it if they're jonesing for some huge man, as we all are. So have a great week, everybody. See you next time (laughs) on Guys and Gal. I mean, Gaelic Guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good week.